0: Hi, I'm Darren Pepperd. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hi there, and welcome into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I am your host, Dr. Darren Peppard, and this week I'm really, really fired up to share with you my conversation with Dr. Jared Smith. Jared is the superintendent of schools in South Tama County School District, which is in Iowa, and Jared is actually transitioning from that role into another role as a superintendent, having been named recently the superintendent of schools in Waterloo Community School District, and he'll start that job in July of 2022. Jared's more than just a superintendent. He's definitely somebody who's super passionate about leadership, super passionate about helping others grow and continue to get better. Jared's an award-winning blogger. He's the host of the Group Project podcast and Recently, he released a book that has really, really taken the world by storm titled Learning Curve, Lessons Learned on Leadership, Education, and Personal Growth. I'm super excited to share that conversation with Jared with you. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about professional development, specifically professional development for leaders. Let's be honest, we've all sat in those rooms where professional development was happening. And as a leader, we find ourselves questioning how is this supposed to help me be a better leader i had that exact same thought so many times and i understand that there are professional development events that we as leaders need to be a part of so that we understand what it is that is going to be asked of our teachers or what it is that we're going to see them implementing new in the classroom there's nothing wrong with that but let's be honest for leaders there are times when professional development needs to be about leadership about helping them be the best leaders they can possibly be. During this last year, we've seen a tremendous number of leaders transitioning out of the profession or into a different role, which means we're going to have a lot of new leaders into their roles as we go into the fall. That's why I've created High Performance Leadership Teams. This is a two-day intensive workshop that takes your leadership team on a deep dive into their work With a spotlight on a common mission, leveraging each other for powerful student learning outcomes, elevating other leaders, building strong positive culture and climate, and having a laser focused vision on the future of the organization. If this is something that your team is definitely in need of, maybe you have some new members of your team, maybe you just need a restart and a recharge, folks let's have a conversation. After all, all of us want to have our team ready to rock and roll to be the very best they can be. We wanna have teams that have shared aspiration statements and clear goals and clear action steps, and ultimately a plan for how do we collectively hold each other accountable to achieve the goals we want to see. This is why I've created High Performance Leadership Teams. This is why I wanna sit down and have a conversation with you about what's happening on your team and how we can work together to build the perfect two-day workshop and maybe some additional work going forward. That's High Performance Sleepership Teams. Check it out at roadtoawesome.net. If you have any questions, make sure you email me at darrenmpepperd at roadtoawesome.net. All of that information is in the show notes, but let's get to today's guest. Again, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Jared Smith recently, and the conversation was amazing. I hope you enjoy all right, Jared. Thank you so much for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, man. I've been looking forward to this. Um, we've had a couple conversations before, but I mean, this yeah. is this is going to be awesome. So, thanks so much for being on.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it, man. I've been following your work, following all the different things you're doing, and I really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, you're doing some cool things, man. So I'm just I'm just excited to be here.
0: Nah, I appreciate it. I really do. And and you're doing some pretty cool stuff too. And this is going to be uh, this is going to be a lot of fun to talk about that because. I mean, some people have quite a bit going on, but folks, this dude right here, Jared Smith has an unbelievable amount of stuff going on and he's rocking it at every turn. So this is going to be really cool to talk about all those different things that you've got going. But before we dive in too far, just, just for my listeners who maybe don't know who Jared Smith is, just, just give them a little, a little taste of, of, of who you are, where you're
1: coming from, what you do, those kinds of things. Yeah, so um, thanks. Thanks for that uh, that introduction there too. I appreciate that. Uh, a lot going on, but I always say it helps. I don't have kids. It really helps when you don't have kids. You freeze up a little bit more time at night, so that helps out. But yeah, I'm actually in Central Iowa. I'm outside Des Moines. Uh, currently, uh, a superintendent in a I guess a smaller to mid sized district here in Central Iowa. Uh, But actually, we talked before the show, just accepted a superintendent job about an hour north of here in Waterloo, in the Waterloo-Cedar Falls area, um, which is uh, a bigger district here in Iowa. So I'm excited for that. But, I mean, you and I connected uh, not just through the superintendency and the educational leadership, more on the the speaking, the writing, the blogging, the podcasting. You know, just like you, Darren. you know, I just enjoy, I, I left the classroom and I've still had that itch to teach people <laughs> um, what I'm learning through yeah. writing, through speaking, through through podcasting. So yeah, I, I write, I've got a book out uh, called Learning Curve. Uh, I'm working on a second book. We might talk about those a little bit. Uh, I've got a podcast as well. I've been doing for a couple of years called the Group Project Podcast, kind of just connecting with educational leaders like you. Um, I've been doing some speaking, uh, not quite going national like you at this point, doing more some of the local stuff, some of the local keynotes here in Iowa, in the Midwest. Um, but I lo- I'm really enjoying just anything, education, leadership, professional growth, um, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, we'll, we'll get into maybe some of the questions I sent you ahead of time maybe we won't I don't know but but uh, I want to I want to jump off of something that, that you just uh, talked about there and you know yeah. one um, for any anybody who's out there thinking you know hey I'd like to get into the speaker space uh, you and I talked about this you know before we came uh, came on a hit the record button um, yeah people have to know that you're in the space to speak or people have to know you're in the space to provide professional development or to fill in the blank. What whatever it is, whether it's side hustle, full-time job, you know, people have to know you're in that space to do that work. And so, you know, you mentioned, you know, doing some of the things in in your local, you know, in your local area within, you know, within Iowa or or within the region. I mean, that's really, I think, kind of how how the whole thing gets started. And yeah. at least with with my experience and, you know, I I'm I'm maybe I don't know, like a quarter turn ahead of you in this process. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 10 or 12 years into it, but one of the things that I've learned and I think is critical is uh, it's all about relationships. It's all about connections and who, you know, and you know, who, who discovers or hears you speak and says, wow, that's a message that needs to come to my school, to my district, something like that. What, what, are you seeing in that area? Is that something that, that's been kind
1: of parallel in your journey with this? I agree. I always go back. I would think four years ago, I had a conversation with a gentleman you might know. His name is Trevor Reagan. Um, oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people know Trevor. He, he actually keynoted a conference I was at last week and I was kind of the day two guy. We kind of talked about that before the show. Um, but yeah. he told me, that first gig you get, whatever first speaking engagement it is, whether, you know, whether you're getting paid or not, just prepare your butt off and just kill it. Right. And if you do such a good job and you, we've talked about this before, you do such a good job in that one presentation. And, and, and then somebody hears you and they say, Hey, we want you to come speak at this conference. And it just kind of spreads like that spider web. Right. So, um, I do feel like if you, you know, if, and I know your style too, you, you put a lot into each presentation and you make sure, you know, who's in that audience and you tailor it to them. It's not just a canned speech. It's always, you tailor it to that audience. But the hope, at least for me is, is when I get in that room and I deliver that speech, um, hopefully there's somebody in there that is that key person that who, you know, yeah. and they're that per that decision maker back in their district or for their organization. And they say, Hey, we want what you just said here in, in this location. So I completely agree with what you're saying. That's, that's what I'm seeing here in Iowa as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just, you just hit something on the head right there. Uh, well, you hit a whole bunch of stuff on the head right there, but um, when, I, when I'm, when I'm putting together, you know, any presentation, um, especially when it's when it's in front of a group of people who are the decision makers, um, I'm looking at, you know, who is, who's my ideal client? Who is that person that I'm speaking directly to? I mean, I, I, I have those individual client avatars. And when I'm putting that together, I'm speaking to that person with the belief that that person will be in the room. And others in the room, similar to that person, may also take that message and say, wow, we have to have that. Um, I think that's a mistake sometimes that that speakers will make and actually writers sometimes with books, they'll, they'll be so broad trying to capture Mm -hmm. everyone that they don't hit that narrow scope of, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to provide a message for this person and there's probably a lot of this person in the room and that's who you want to target. It's, I think it's a nuance uh, that I know I've learned probably in the last nine months or so compared to just show up. Hey, here's my story. Hope somebody likes it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah and you're yeah. talking about the book too. And I know we're gonna talk about that a little bit, but that's tough when you're writing that book. It's like, how do I, it, it gets so broad at first and like, how do I narrow it in there? Yeah. Um, I feel the same way. Yeah. It can, it, it's, it's something I think you said you you've learned it like in the last nine months, last year. I think the more you keep doing it, <laughs> the better you get at, at thinking through some of those things like you're talking about.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, it's like shooting layups or repairing a car engine or whatever. The more repetitions you get the better exactly. you get. I mean, it's, it's all about reps. It, it really is. And we, we are going to loop back to the book. Um, uh, definitely. And I'm going to ask you actually a little bit more about your writing process. Cause now I'm curious. Um, I really, <laughs> really am. So, but sure. before we do that, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the obvious, obviously the the title of the podcast is leading into leadership and, um, yeah. we, we have opportunities to provide leadership in so many different ways, especially in a superintendent role. But I mean, let's, let's be frank. The last two years have been, have been a turd to be a leader yeah. in. I mean, it's really <laughs> challenging, challenging. Yeah. and you know, yeah, you know, what the heck, right? You know, <laughs> it, it is what it is. Um, it's been difficult. There is no question about it. And the the districts that I've seen and the schools that I've seen, you know, in this this last year that that I've been, you know, going to different schools around the country that have had the most success and maybe stayed the course the best we're really driven by good, strong school culture. And I know that's something that's really important to you. Um, you do some incredible things with school culture. I think that's one of the things that, that the two of us, you know, really um, are drawn yes. to each other for. Yeah. Talk a little bit maybe about school culture or some things you've done intentionally in your district to maintain that culture through what was honestly
1: a difficult time. Yeah. So you literally like just took the word by the of my mouth. I've said that uh, a few different times as well. It's like the ones that have the districts that have survived have had the, the positive culture, the positive leadership and, and positive is kind of an overdone word, but, you know, we do a combination of things here and I think it's important, you know, we do do some of the fluffy activities. I'm not going to lie. And I've shared some of these things on my blog and, you know, some of the, you know, the appreciation meals and the celebrations and that sort of thing, which are important. But I feel like the most important thing, and I've, I've talked about, I've written about this too, is um, is really making sure like every staff member in your district feels valued and listened to. What I mean by that is, and I just did two of them today, like I meet with all of our um, certified staff members, uh, to do one-on-one meetings, and we're not a huge district by any means. We've got about 120, 130 certified staff, or about 250 staff members total. But I will sit down one-on-one with them for 20, 25 minutes, and just ask them like five basic questions. And I, and it always starts like, "Hey, what's new outside of work?" You know, kind of to, to Mm -hmm. to make the the conversation kind of uh a little more personal i guess you could say but then we dig in like hey what is going well in the district what is not going well how can we make you feel more valued um and then the fifth question is who can i who can i compliment on your behalf all five of those questions that i ask in those one-to-ones with our certified staff have purpose behind them um and We really, and here's the key too, is a lot of people will say, yeah, well, I had those conversations too. Well, how much do you actually like follow up with it and actually follow through with, okay, 10 of our staff members said, and this is the example I used, like 10 of our staff, 10 of the first 12 staff members I met with back in October said they were burnout in October, in early October. And I was like, that's early, that's early You're burnt burnout already. We're not even yeah. 30 days into school. So right away and you know, I, um, right away we said, I said, well, how are you burnout? Like, what do you need from us? And they just said, we need more time. We need more time. I'm covering classes once, twice a week during my planning period, my 45 minute planning period, I'm going to cover classes. I need more time. So long story short, We took that feedback and we went to our school board and said, our teachers need more time. They're already burnt out. How can give them more time? And we end up building in uh, additional early out, early dismissals to give for planning time. So um, I think that culture climate is just listening to staff and making sure, sure they have a voice and then actually acting upon that feedback
0: yeah I think I think that's super critical. Um, a lot of times I think, especially early career leaders, maybe an area where they will struggle is they think that listening is about listening for something that then you can respond to and then formulating that response while that other person is still talking. And you know mm-hmm. those who are really great at it are going to listen to hear what that, that other person is saying and not just hear them, but to understand them, to empathize with them, to, to truly have like, like a core grip on what is it that, that they're sharing with me? What is it, you know, that they're struggling with, especially in those kinds of conversations. um, It's really important that as leaders, that as leaders we are really truly listening and not just, uh, not just giving it the, uh, you know, the lip service required to then come back with, with a response of, Oh no, here's why we can't do that. Or here's why you are wrong. It's yeah. no, I need to hear you. I, th- I just think that's so critical. And it, I know so many of the early career leaders that, that I work with and support that's, that's a big struggle, you know, cause I think, and I'm curious, just run with, run with this statement. Um, early career leaders. I know I did it. Think they need to be, the, the, the 100% answer person that they, you know, are the all knowing, you know, the all seeing that they solve everybody's problems for them. Did you fall into the trap? Have you you
1: seen that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, I definitely, I think back to my assistant principal days and I was an assistant principal for eight years, which seemed like an eternity eternity at the time. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I felt like you're exactly right. I felt like I always had to have the answer. I felt like you're, you, you nailed it earlier when people are talking, uh, during those first so many years, I would always, I don't think I was even listening. I think I was like preparing for the right thing to say, (laughs) uh, you know, as most like actually, and I think there was a little bit of nerves involved. I think, you know, I was, I was shoot at the time I was probably like. 28, 29, these people have been teaching for longer than I'd been alive, you know, so there's a little bit of like, (laughs) yeah, um, imposter syndrome or something, you know, so I think there is just a lot of you're right, I I think it's it takes a long time. And I see it the same thing with our leaders here, where they feel like they've got to have the answers they've, um, there's just a little bit of ego involved, but also a little bit of like, hey, I need to prove my worth. Um, And it's you're Right. right, a lot of young leaders. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So now you're at a little bit the, maybe the opposite end of that spectrum. And one of the things that, that I really truly admire about you as a leader in, in your superintendent role is just how transparent you are with so much of what you do. Not, not just your day to day, but your decision-making process. I mean, Everything is out there on social media for virtually anybody to digest. I'm sure it's more than just the social media stuff. I'm sure actually in the South Tama community, there's there's even more. But talk a little bit about that transparency. I mean, where, how did you get to that point? And what are I don't know maybe a, a pratfall or two that that you've you've taken and said,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> wish I wouldn't have done that." yeah so um I think so I'm just finishing up year four here, and first superintendency, so first chance to really do use the communication system that I prefer, I guess I think it started early. I know it did where we tried to we shared a couple things you know i um I would meet with the administrative team. And we would kind of, and our administrative team's not huge. It's just, you know, 12 of us, I guess you could say. And I would say, hey, what do you think? Should we share this? Should we share the rationale behind a decision? And we weren't quite sure, but like, let's err on the side of communicating it and see how it goes and kind of monitor the response. And the more like transparent we were, the more we realized our community appreciated it. And our staff appreciated it. You know, I think one of the earliest examples was probably just with like weather-related dismissals, (laughs) like how we make decisions, try to be proactive and try to have protocols in place as opposed to being reactive. So we shared what those look like and people like, whoa, we like this. So I think we started a little, you know, we did a little bit. And then each year we've done a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, And here's kind of what, you know, a couple of thoughts I have are, you know, the classic, like every email you send as a public employee is really, I mean, people could access it if they, you know, if yep. they wanted, they could access a lot within education. So if we know people could potentially access emails, records, policies, salaries, why not just give it to them? You know, why, why, may, why not make it so secretive? Um, and, and I feel like most of the time you said pitfalls and there are some for sure. Most of the time it's helped us a couple of times. It's kind of bit me a little bit and it's, you know, you kind of live, you kind of the 95% of the time you get it right makes up for the 5% you get wrong. Sure. Uh, sometimes yeah. there is information that we've shared that, you know, Google docs, right? Like we, we, sometimes we, we accidentally share the sharing settings it's shared with, you know, in school board meetings, for example, I like to share the documents. We do our school board meetings virtually, and we've got a lot of people who watch and I love to share documents in the chat so people can follow along with us. Well, sometimes there's been, you know, an effort of transparency. I share documents But sometimes there's been like student information in there that probably shouldn't share or staff information. You know what I'm saying? That if you dig far enough, if you click this link, this link, this link, you can get to certain things. So it's came back a little bit, but I just beg for forgiveness. And when you build up that social capital long enough with your community, you you can make a couple small mistakes and get away with it. Is I guess what I'm saying. So it's been good. People, our staff our staff really, really appreciate like knowing the inner workings of the district and it's not just decisions made in isolation or behind some steel curtain or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I think, I think it really is important. I mean, obviously, you know, as, as uh, leaders navigated their way through uh, the pandemic times, it was really important to be sharing whatever the protocols were, whatever the processes were going to be for whether it was masks or, you know, um, uh, the, the vaccinations or, or even like quarantines or any of those kinds of things, because those were definitely things people wanted to know about. And the more they knew in advance, the better. Um, definitely took a lot of pressure off of, of leaders when things were really clear up front. At, and that was one of the, one of the little pitfalls uh, for me during that time was there was at one point in time, a change in uh, the, the different regulations that we were following. And it just happened to butt up against uh, a quarantine issue that we ran into. And so we hadn't gotten the new stuff out, but we had to follow it and it didn't go, it didn't go so well. You know, people are like, wait a minute, that's not the process. And but it made me feel good because they knew what the process was, you know, even though, unfortunately, the process changed right as right as we ran into an event. So true. true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But those things happen. So um, so let's let's shift gears slightly. But before we get to the book and and some of the other stuff, um, tons of leadership turnover everywhere across the country right now, superintendent roles, principal roles, new people rising into AP roles, a lot of people transitioning out through retirement or whatever the case may be. As somebody who's getting, you know, now I say getting ready to step into your second superintendency, but it's April, you've already stepped into it. we talked about that before. It's already started. What would you tell a first year superintendent or principal as they're coming in this upcoming year, what's maybe one piece of, of some sage advice from Jared for that person, that early career leader, who's stepping into that, that bigger role for the
1: first time. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, but you know, we talked about it a little bit with like, Hey, feeling like you have to know everything. That's part of it. But a lot of people Every, almost every leader I've worked with, they always want to move really fast <laughs> in year one. They want to implement their ideas, new initiatives, make waves, prove that they know what they're doing. And I made that mistake. Absolutely. As a first year principal, high school principal, um, I, you know, I was like, Hey, I thought I had a lot of good ideas. Uh, I thought I could streamline a lot of processes. They were probably good ideas, but unless your people are bought into them, unless you do a good job of explaining why you want to do something and making sure people understand how it's going to work, like, you've got to slow down. You've got to just take it slow. And that's what I'm trying to tell myself as I move into the new role. But I swear, every single new leader, whatever position it is, you list it off, assistant principal, principal, uh, superintendent everybody's made at least one mistake about trying to go too fast without having that buy-in and making sure people understand. So that would be my one thing. I'm going to throw another thing in there too, is, you know, there's more to life than work. (laughs) I see a lot of administrators still just like, just putting in so many hours and it'll be there the next day. You don't have to stay from six to six, you know, you don't have to put in 10, 12 hour days. Like, Don't burn yourself out um, that first year, especially. So those would be my two my two ideas.
0: I could have definitely used that advice as a (laughs) first year high school principal. Um, You know, it was uh, for me, it was trying to do everything. Um, That first year, um, I, I had three assistant principals and there were points in time where I started to resent them because I didn't feel like they were doing anything. And that wasn't on them. That was on me. Um, yeah, you, I I almost positive it was you that, that had just shared something recently about delegating and, you know, when, um, when you're not willing to share responsibility to trust people in the jobs that they're in. So, I mean, that might be, um, not that I asked the question of myself, but, but I'll throw it in as, as something else for, for new, new and early career leaders. If you've got people around you, trust the people around you, give them the opportunity to own the work and to do the work because otherwise you're going to get exactly what, what you said on your second piece of advice, you're going to be working 12, 14, 16 hour days. And you're just, you're going to make yourself sick. You're going to wear yourself out. And that's when you start to make more mistakes. Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I know you, you mentor a lot of leaders and and work with a lot of districts. Like no matter how many times I tell our new leaders, like delegate, delegate, do not put on your shoulders. Like, a lot of them still feel like they've got (laughs) to have that little power. I I don't know what it is, but it's, it's been, that's one of the trickiest things I feel like for, for new leaders, young leaders uh, is that delegation piece like you talked about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you've got people in those roles. You got to give them the opportunity to do the job, trust them to do the job, give them good feedback. I mean, Honestly, I think the best part of being a superintendent, I think the best part of being a high school principal was growing other leaders. And you do that only by delegating responsibility, supporting them, coaching them, giving them feedback both in the moment and after. I mean, that's that's really, as you can tell, I get a little bit passionate about that. <laughs> that I think is is what it's it's, it's really important all about. Important it stuff. is. <laughs> it is. It is. So, uh, hey, right on that same line with important stuff. Let's talk about this book. Uh, learning curve. It is such a great folk, uh, book, folks. If you have not picked up a copy yet, I know it's available on Amazon. It's available on Jared's website. We'll put all that in the show notes too, by the way. Yeah. But uh, what what a great book. Where where did the concept come from? Where did the idea come from?
1: What, what did your process look like? Yeah. Um, well, thanks for asking. I always get, you talked about like getting excited, fired up, I kind of geek out on this stuff, like the writing process. And I'm sure you do too. You know, like us who have yeah. published books, it's like, it's fun to listen to that stuff. So, you know, there's a, not a bunch, but there's a handful of business world books that are like, you call it blog to book, whatever you want to call it, but they're just short segments of ideas, three to five to six pages worth of just different ideas that are somewhat tied together, but just different concepts on a topic that you're passionate about. I mentioned it earlier. I'm passionate about education, leadership, and kind of that personal growth or lifelong learning, which I know you are too. So I really wanted to write a book that kind of tied together those three things, leadership, education, personal growth. But I'm not like I'm not as good as you guys who can do like one big story. That's all kind of tied together. Mine. I I just don't know how to like connect all these different pieces. So I did like, it's, it's basically like 25 independent chapters each with about six or seven pages about just different topics that are interrelated and they, and they make, they, they are important to school leaders. Uh, We talked about delegation. We've talked, you know, hiring, um, retainment, uh, teacher recruitment. uh, And then we go into some personal growth ideas about sleeping and about fitness and about relationships and all that. So stuff that to me is exciting. I love reading, but I don't just read education books. I love reading all kinds of nonfiction books. So how could I take all these topics that I'm passionate about and just dump it all into one book. And that's basically what learning curve is just, it's about like my, uh, some of my growth as a leader. And I mentioned in the book, like I was a pretty bad teacher and I was a pretty bad, like assistant principal for a number of years until I woke up and realized, Hey, unless you're willing to like put in the time and the effort to, to grow yourself and to, to read and to learn and to try some new things, like you're really going to struggle. So, um, so, yeah, so that's kind of, I mean, that's, it's it's kind of a hard book to explain, but I had a lot of fun writing it and it's a unique book. I think it's a unique book um, because it is kind of interconnected and quite honestly, I brought it to a couple, well, three publishers ahead of time and they didn't really like the concept. <laughs> they said it was too, uh, it was too choppy. Um, it yeah. should have been more interconnected. And I thought well that's not that's not my style so i did it self published and uh kind of navigated that world and learned how to kind of do that um it will maybe hybrid, hybrid publishing whatever you want to call it but anyways it's been a fun process it's been super eye opening um and you you asked about my process you know I, I everybody's got their thing some people they they will take 3 weeks They'll rent a cabin in the woods and they'll, they'll just hammer it out, right? <laughs> That's yeah, not me. Man. I am like That's chip me away. Either. Yeah. No, no. I'm chip away every day. Every day I come into the office first thing in the morning. Nobody else is here, and I just write for like an hour. Um, I feel like my mind is the freshest in the in, in the morning. Uh, it's I've got the ideas are flowing. Um, I'm not worn out. I so I write every morning for like an hour. And it took me about a year of of doing that. And then a little bit more on the weekends to kind of pull that together. So that's my writing process. Uh, I enjoy it. But what's really cool. One last thing is it ties into what I do during the day. I think about, okay, what worked during the day? Did this conversation with this employee work? Did this evaluation strategy work? Did this whatever it might be, this way I led this meeting. And then I'll reflect on that in my writing about this worked, this didn't, here's some tips to think about, here's some things to avoid. And honestly, I said this in my, in learning curve, five years from now, I might look back at what I wrote in this book and say, okay, I did not have it figured out. I made a lot of mistakes. So that's kind of the point of it is we're always growing. We're always learning and Hopefully you're okay with looking back on it and saying like, I did not know what I was doing and I'm growing from it. Very long-winded, Darren. Sorry about that. But yeah, I no, enjoyed that's, the- that's right on.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it, I th- the thing I think I enjoyed the most about Learning Curve, believe it or not, is how it, in a way, in its own unique way, reminded me a little bit of one of my favorite authors, which is James Patterson. You're never more than a page and a half in a chapter in Patterson. So, you know, with, with your book, it was like, you know, I could, I could just hit this one section, bang, I got it. You don't need to give me a 34 page, you know, yeah. story connected to it. I mean, and you've got some stories in there and some, you know, some elements that really, you know, really hit home. But I, I liked how, you know, how it just kind of, you know, quick hitter, quick hitter, quick hitter, quick hitter. And at the same time, it was, and now that I've gotten to know you a little bit more, I can see how it was like. This is just Jared's brain going, and honestly, that's that's the most genuine kind of writing. And I think readers, yeah, I mean, heck, you'd have pitched it to Roados, and we might have said, "Yeah, it's kind of choppy, dude." But <laughs> you know, a lot of readers that fits them well. You know, just let me hit this. Let me hit this. You know, if I if I just need a quick reference book. About you know a conversation with an employee or something to do with a hiring process or something, I can grab learning curve. You know, bang, okay, that's chapter twenty two. Zip, there I go. Yeah. As opposed to even road to awesome, and I didn't talk much about hiring in there, but um, you know, you might have to go spend quite a bit of time in chapter five or something. So, um, is it a different style? Of course it is, but that's that's okay. And I mean, I I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was great.
1: I really appreciate, I I appreciate the kind words. I really do. I feel like the new age, you know, I'm, I'm on the, the, I'm on the very old end of being a millennial. Okay. I think millennials were born like 82 or 83 and I was born 82 and everything older or younger. So I, I do feel like the millennial readers, the gen, whatever comes in after that Gen Z, I don't know. I can't keep it all straight, but their attention right, right or wrong their attention span is not like it used to be. I mean, look at what 20 year olds are, you know, they're, they're on TikTok and they're on Snapchat. I mean, like 10, 20 second segments, they're not sitting down to watch. um, Their, their entertainment is not the three hour long movie. It's, it's the five minute long video (laughs) clip on YouTube. I feel like that is going to be a lot of the future of, of reading too, right or wrong. And some people might, some, some, you know, traditional authors might say that's terrible, but that's what I'm seeing from younger readers is they just want, like you said, those short little clips they can get in, get out real quick. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of my style and and I appreciate the kind words.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So folks, definitely, if you haven't, if you haven't grabbed learning curve, make sure you do. Um, so let's, let's talk just briefly. Um, I know you're working on a new project. You, you told me before the show that, you don't even have a title for it, so we're not even going to pretend that, that there's a title. But you're working on another book. What can you tell people about it?
1: So what happened was learning cur- – you talked about it earlier. The more reps you put in, the better you're going to get at something. And I'm sure you feel the way, same way with your speaking, with your writing, yeah. with everything that you're doing. I feel the same way with my writing. I look back at what I wrote in learning curve and I'm like, gosh, I could have wrote that a whole lot better, you know? So when I in learning curve is, is 360 pages long. Like I had to stop at some point and I had like a bunch of ideas that didn't make it in there. And I, I don't know if you felt this way. Like when I wrote my dissertation, um, when i got done i was like what do i do next like i'm just so used to writing like i don't know what else to do same thing with my first book i got done with writing and i felt like i went for a week without writing and i thought what do i do now like it's almost my hobby it's turned into my hobby so the second book i think it's going to be called turning points we'll see i think it's going to be called turning points cuz there's just so many turning points that happen in your life that like oh if, if that didn't happen where where would i have gone what would the trajectory have been but it's really just a it's it's a follow up from learning curve and i think it's actually written uh, a lot better <laughs> quite honestly not that i think learning curve was re- written well but i think like this is even I, and the feedback i've gotten from my peer editor who was read it says these are even better developed ideas. So it's kind of a, a, just some of the ideas that didn't make it into to Learning Curve. And Learning Curve was pretty much written pre-COVID or right when COVID was happening. This is like now a year and a half into COVID, two years in. So it speaks to some of the changing dynamics within school districts, if that makes sense. Um, I I try to make the concepts evergreen. So like if you read this 20 years from now, it doesn't feel like it's just COVID, but it's still like, okay, how do you make it through the turmoil? Like whatever comes next 20 years from now, whatever that big... COVID or, or recession. Let's hope not, but whatever that big thing is, is how do you respond in schools? And that, and that's the kind of the idea. So yeah, I think it's going to be out this summer. I'm super excited, um, to, uh, to get that out there and, uh, to let people just kind of like, like we talked about, like learn from our experiences.
0: Wow, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, so we'll have to, uh, we'll have to bring you back on the podcast when the book's out. So you can tell us a little bit more about it. Um, and, uh, maybe we can expand a little bit more on now what is clearly a difference between the two of us. When I finished my dissertation, I didn't want to write another thing the rest of my life. (laughs) Six months later, I started writing a book, but but at the time I thought, yeah, I thought there's no way I am ever going to write anything ever again. I was just so grateful to be done. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe that was, maybe that was my dissertation chair. Yeah, it is What's very that? different. It really is. Well, I was going to say my, my dissertation chair, you know, really kind of pushed on me too and, and kept reminding me, you know, that, Hey, Darren, the, the best dissertation is a finished dissertation. Let's let's, let's wrap this thing up because kind of like writing my book, I, I could keep going and keep going and keep going. But, oh, um, and just like this conversation, we could just keep going <laughs> and keep going and keep it's going. Fun, but, um, fun. it is, it is. I know it's awesome, but, uh, um, Last question for you today, um, and, and again, folks, uh, I'm going to ask Jared also you know, how you can connect with him, but everything is in the show notes, uh, all all of his social media, uh, contact information, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I will ask him to give you that here in just a couple of minutes. But again, Jared, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So right now, what are you doing? How are you leaning into leadership?
1: Yeah, you know... In my role as superintendent, leaning in leadership, um, a couple thoughts come to mind. You mentioned it earlier, and I'm I, I'm getting to the point now. I just turned forty. Okay, so I think like I'm kind of like over the hill. Not not I mean metaphorically easy,
0: man. easy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think like I'm finally at a point now where I feel like I'm I'm starting to mentor more and more leaders. Right, like kind of like yeah. um, like you were saying earlier. So like that leaning into leadership, like I've really, really enjoyed just having more and more converse, um, coaching conversations. I love meeting. I meet weekly with all of our, I, I have 12 direct reports and I meet with 10 of them weekly during for 30 minute, uh, one-to-ones more, I'm getting better and better at those conversations of just listening, not giving the answers, uh, trying to help them work through their situations and their problems. I just love, uh, there's a book out there called the effective, uh, manager, which I love. You got to check that book out. It talks about delegation and one-to-one meetings. Love it. Um, but leaning into leadership is just, you know, how can I coach up people like learning what I've learned throughout the years, but also I think leaning, leading, I'm sorry, leaning into leadership is also that lifelong learning. It's also like, I still don't have it figured out, okay? And I think you feel the same way. You know, I've read your stuff Mm -hmm. and I love like your blogs about, here's some things I learned, here's some ideas, uh, still learning. I I think you can't say I'm leading in leaning into leadership if you're not willing at whatever stage you're in. And I'm gonna be leading, you know, a, a large district in Iowa and I'm still like, I don't have this figured out. And I'm telling the employees as I walk in there, I need to learn from you. I do not have this figured out. I want to learn. I want to listen. I want to have those conversations like we talked about. So those are the two things. It's, it's having those coaching conversations and then also being afraid to like not admit when you don't have it figured out and being vulnerable in those situations.
0: I, yeah, I think that's that is a huge, huge deal right there. You touched earlier on ego. And sometimes the most seasoned and the most um, the most complete leaders, I won't say great leaders, complete leaders are the ones who have that emotional intelligence to know that number one, you don't need to know it all. And number two, it's okay to be vulnerable and tell people, you know, I, I don't know that, or I need your help with that, or whatever the case may be. I think that's, that's outstanding. So for our listeners who just cannot wait to get more Jared Where do they find you? How do they connect with you? How do they make sure they get a chance
1: to hear a little bit more from you? So the first place I would go is to my website, which is drjaredsmith.com. Because if you go there, the first thing that's going to pop up is a, hey, do you want to sign up for the newsletter? If you sign up for the newsletter, I send you like all of the different, like all kinds of just helpful information. You're going to get a free sample, like the free first 50 pages of my book. Then you're going to get like my top 100 books. You're going to get my top 10 culture hacks. You're going to get all this helpful information. And also, the website, you're going to have access to the blogs, the podcast. Uh, it's got links to my social media. Um, But that's probably the easiest place. I would say just go there and go to drjaredsmith.com. And then everything else you want to find me, you know, every other thing that you need for me is right there. So, yep, that's a great place to start.
0: That's outstanding. Again, folks, all that stuff's in the show notes and uh, you can check all of that out. Jared, man, it was so great to catch up with you. This has been an amazing conversation. I appreciate you so much. Good luck in your new role in Waterloo. Uh, look forward to continuing to follow you. And we really look forward to that new book coming out.
1: Well, thank you too, man. I've enjoyed following your progress. You're doing some awesome things. I just saw, we talked before the show, you're just, you're getting some big time uh, opportunities there to speak with some big time names. So I'm just uh, enjoy following your progress as well. And I I will be in Omaha soon. I think it's going to be this summer. So, we're going to meet up for that for that drink and what is it? Uh, is it new new what's what's the down cool downtown place? Um Old Market, Old market. right?
0: Old Market. Absolutely.
1: Let's meet yep. up down there and hang out and uh, swap yep. some stories. So,
0: 100%, we will do it. Right on. Appreciate it, man.
1: All right, thank you, man.
0: Wow, folks, um I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Um, I've gone back through it multiple, multiple times, just really listening for all of the different gold nuggets that Jared laid down throughout that conversation. And I'm just really grateful for him coming on the show. Definitely some things in there that, uh, as leaders, we need to be thinking about. I really appreciated how Jared talked about slow down. I love that he talked about that because so many of us make that mistake that we want to put our stamp on whatever it is that we're leading. And in that first year, oh, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Ultimately, that ends up biting us. It ends up backfiring. So definitely slowing down, one of the best takeaways there. And then I love that Jared said, there's more to life than work. It will still be there tomorrow. I struggled with that so much. There was a point in time I know I was putting in anywhere between 12 and 14 hours every day. I was there six days a week and it was pretty exhausting. Um, So I appreciated that Jared talked about that. So hopefully that's something as leaders that you can take away those two items and and maybe there's more there. Maybe there's some other things there as well that, uh, that you felt good about. But just an incredible conversation. And again, Jared, thank you so much for coming on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. And now it's time for a pep talk. Let's build right off of that last point that I talked about with Jared, that there is more to life than work. The weather's starting to change. It might be fighting back a little bit, but the weather is starting to change. And it's time for us to start thinking about getting out in the yard and and getting things spruced up, maybe getting some flowers, you know, planted and and those types of things. But that's exactly the type of self-care that we need to be doing this time of year. It's an exhausting time. You see the finish line. You're making your way through state testing. All of those other things that are there, there's all those other things that you know are coming. I've got to finish my budget. I've got to finish getting everybody hired. There are all kinds of stressors that surround you. But this week, just take a couple deep breaths. Let yourself not work 12 or 14 hours a day. Even if it's just one day, maybe it's difficult for you to say, hey, I can't just stop for an entire week, but maybe just one day. Go home a little bit early, be at your home, be with your family, be out in the yard, play with your dog, whatever it might be. Give yourself permission to not be tied to your work. There's more life than work, folks. Get out there and enjoy it. You deserve it. Until next time. I'm Dr. Darren Peppard. Thank you for joining me on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy Leaning Into Leadership.